You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Vancouver police are making an urgent appeal to witnesses tonight. They're asking for any information that could help lead to an arrest in the brazen shooting on Broadway last weekend. Ramina Dea is in Vancouver with more on what police want and who they're looking to talk to. Ramina. Sophie, in an unusual move, the VPD will set up its mobile command center here at the scene at East Broadway and Ontario tomorrow from 3 p.m. until midnight in an effort to generate fresh tips. Now, the restaurant behind me, Indochine, is of particular interest to homicide investigators. Two innocent bystanders were shot last Saturday when gunfire erupted at around 9.15 p.m. in this area. 15-year-old Alfred Wong was riding in his parents' car when he was struck with a stray bullet. He died in hospital. He was just out with his parents for a night out. They're having, having dinner. This could have been anyone's kid. Police say Kevin Whiteside was the intended target. The 23-year-old, who is known to police, also died from his injuries. Now, based on a review of video evidence, detectives believe there are people who are in the area who could have critical information in this investigation who have not yet come forward. We've had a look at video. We've spoken to other witnesses in the area, and it just doesn't match up. We're asking people who were in the area before or around the time of this murder, of these murders, to come forward and speak to police. It's very important to our investigation. In particular, our detectives are looking to speak with anybody who was at the Indochine kitchen and bar around the time of the shooting, anywhere between 8 p.m. and 9.30 last Saturday evening. Now, police are fully aware that there could be some people out there with information who might be scared to come forward. But they told us today that their information will remain anonymous. Again, they will be set up here tomorrow, 3 p.m. to midnight. There have been no arrests in this case. Back to you. All right, Ramina, thank you. A teenager who's been missing for more than a week is now Vancouver's third homicide of the year. 18-year-old Sachdeep Singh Dut of Surrey was last seen January 9th. Vancouver police confirmed they found his body in the trunk of a vehicle at Fairmont Street and Van Ness Avenue just after 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. We are liaising with our partner agencies, obviously Surrey in this instance. Um, we're going to collect as much information as we can and try to create a timeline and, and just move forward to identify those responsible. Police say this does not appear to be a random murder. Some frightening moments at a packed pub in Richmond. RCMP responding last night to calls of a masked man with a firearm and possibly hostages. Kristen Robinson explains what happened and why, in their search for suspects, police are being accused of racial profiling. The tables and chairs at Pioneer's Pub back in place after a masked man armed with a shotgun crashed a celebration of life Thursday night. There was a lot of chaos, a lot of people diving under uh, tables and hiding and running into the washroom, into the kitchen. Owner Ronnie Patterson says the suspect burst in and knew who he was looking for. When he got to the person that he was targeting, uh, hit him uh, with the butt end of his um, sawed-off shotgun, I believe, and uh, that's when uh, split his head open, and so there was a fair amount of blood involved. No shots were fired, and the 32-year-old victim was treated in hospital. 
The suspect fled in a vehicle that RCMP say had multiple suspects inside. That vehicle was soon found by the VPD outside a white spot in southeast Vancouver, and two suspects were taken into custody. We hear a flashbang. All of the guns are pointed towards us, too. Two brothers having dinner inside the restaurant fear they were racially targeted after police stormed in and handcuffed them. And they said there was uh, three homicides in the last week. You guys fit the description, hoodies. And I told them it's winter weather. It's, it's comfortable to wear a hoodie, you know. And I think it's just, I, I honestly thought it was racism coming to the forefront. I'm uh, actually a businessman. Uh, we sell drywall insulation steel studs for a living. We don't kill people. We were very confident we had the first two people in custody, and public safety is our number one. So it was our job to go in and make sure that no one else associated to this offense was outstanding. The Takar brothers were released. Richmond RCMP say two men aged 19 and 22 remain in custody, and there could be more arrests. Both the victim and suspects are known to police. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Some scary moments at an elementary school in Vancouver this afternoon. This car crashing into Thunderbird Elementary on Cassiar Street just as school was about to let out. The driver hit an administrative office. Thankfully, no one was hurt. No word on what caused the crash. Three workers suffered minor injuries in an early morning fire at a sawmill in South Vancouver. Crews believe the fire started in the basement of mainland sawmills located on Yukon Street, south of Marine Drive. The three-alarm blaze saw 50 firefighters on scene. A fireboat was also deployed to help fight the fire from the water. Uh, of extreme importance and concern were hydraulic vats and multiple oil and grease reservoirs. We were worried environmentally if that got down into the river with an explosion, then we would have considerable environmental damage. At this point, we've confined things and controlled things, so that's not an issue at this time. The sheer size of the mill made it difficult for crews to fight the fire, and there is extensive damage to many different areas inside. Reminiscent of the 1920s Prohibition era, thousands of dollars in illegal booze has been seized from several bars across the province. Paul Johnson explains what the government agents were after and why. Our whiskey program is like the best in, in the country. East Van's Fett's Whiskey Kitchen is curated like a museum. Rye, bourbon and scotch from all over the world. Some of it hard to source and they've never had a problem until last night. Three liquor inspectors, I believe two from Victoria and one from Vancouver. After a covert surveillance operation, provincial liquor inspectors raided at least four BC bars last night, including Fett's and the Grand Hotel in Nanaimo. At Fett's, they carted off 242 bottles of scotch whiskey and took it away in a U-Haul, a massive loss to the business. It's uh, over $40,000. The issue is that this one brand of exotic scotch wasn't purchased through the government liquor distribution branch. Well, that may be the letter of the law in B.C. The previous liberal government had turned a blind eye to it and allowed people like Allura Fergie to carry on. Fetz has a lot of exotic whiskeys here, like this one. Allura says that she'd be happy to buy this one brand in question from the liquor store, but they don't stock it. And her customers come asking for it. This is a raid! 
America's prohibition program in the previous century and the dramatic raids associated with it are one example of the struggle governments have in regulating booze. Fergie feels like we haven't come very far. And I went in like prohibition. It was, it was not adult-like at all. A conversation should have been had prior to their, their raid. A spokesman for Attorney General David Eby said the liquor inspectors are independent of him. So it's unknown if the upper levels of the NDP government knew about or signed off on the raids. But it's a reminder that in 2018, if there's whiskey in the jar, the government can demand its cut. Paul Johnson, Global News. Meantime, very little action has been taken against the illegal cannabis market on Robson Street. Global News first reported on the frustrations over the pot pop-up last week. When asked about the growing problem, Vancouver's mayor said, stay tuned. So Jordan Armstrong revisited the issue with Gregor Robertson today. I got killed selling drugs in East Vancouver. 2011, Noon hour at the Robson Pot Village, and an angry man is having an outburst. And then he pulled out the knife and he stabbed me one. One vendor wants us to stop filming. He claims the man is just walking by. Another says the guy is a regular visitor, and he's done this before. He tries to help out. Sometimes he gets in the way. Sometimes he does it. But we usually just let him be, let him sit, smoke some weed. He's usually calm, but then sometimes he has a little outburst. So what? I keep him rolled up. Outbursts, fights, fears of pot being sold to minors. The downtown business community fed up with the illegal market, which on this rainy day swelled to nine-tenths, selling a range of unchecked products. We've got gummies. These are sativa-based lemon cookies. These are indica-based brownies. I think people are embarrassed. I think people are angry. I think people are asking, why are there double standards that if someone else came in here and was operating illegally, would be able to continue? Clearly, um, these people are, are flaunting the laws, and, uh, and they're a nuisance at this stage in the game. Tough talk, but the mayor still won't commit to a deadline to shut them down. It's up to Vancouver Police Department to uh, take the next steps. But you're the uh, chair of the police board. I am, but in terms of operations, it's up to the chief uh, to make those next steps. We're not ignoring it. Uh, We want to assure everybody that we are considering various options and um, hopefully we can come up with a solution with the vendors. But the vendors say they won't leave, and they're dismissive of the mayor and police. They're public servants. They're not our masters. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Free Wi-Fi in Vancouver is expanding. The city is partnering with Shaw Communications to create one of the largest free public Wi-Fi networks in North America. It will cover more than 600 locations throughout the city. Approximately 550 are currently active, with the remaining locations set to become active over the coming months. Premier John Horgan dismissing threats from Green Party leader Andrew Weaver that he will topple the government over the LNG issue. Keith Baldry has more on this from Victoria. Keith, there is a lot of support for LNG from communities up uh, Mm -hmm. in the north. This warning from Weaver, though, comes ahead of Horgan's upcoming trade mission to Asia. 
Yes, where he's going to be talking about bringing LNG to BC. So it's not just a BC Liberal venture. The NDP's interested with conditions of, of having the industry start here. But Andrew Weaver creating quite a fuss. He's down in California right now. He's been down there for a week. He's been on Twitter uh, sending out tweets saying he's going to uh, make the NDP government fall out of power if they so much as even breathe a word about LNG in uh, BC. We caught up with John Horgan today for his first comments on the matter, and he's kind of dismissive of the threats from his, his uh, colleague in government. If we bring forward uh, legislation to uh, uh, facilitate liquefied natural gas, then we'll have a debate about that. But uh, it's not a confidence question for government. And I think all people know that uh, we've been fairly clear. Uh, I want to see economic development. I want to see resource development in British Columbia. So Andrew Weaver comes back on Sunday. I assume there'll be a meeting between him and the NDP next week to clear the air. All right. We'll see what happens then. And we'll figure out what's wrong with your mic, too. More dramatic pictures demonstrating the power of Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty dramatic, that's for sure. This was the scene in Yuklulit yesterday. 30 to 40 foot waves driven by hurricane force winds slamming the coast. A number of beaches in that area were closed due to the obvious dangers. It made for some great storm watching, albeit from a safe distance. Thanks to all our global viewers for sending in some great video. And meteorologist Christy Gordon is with us with details of a storm that could knock out your power this weekend. Christy. That's right. Keep your flashlights handy this weekend. We have a couple of intense storms on deck. Now, these will bring in a ton of rain, but it's really the winds we're concerned about. Power outages, ferry delays, and damage to trees are a possibility. Now, the winds will pick up Saturday afternoon, but the most intense period will be overnight Saturday into Sunday morning. The areas affected all along the Strait of Georgia, southern Gulf Islands, Victoria, and the coastal regions of the lower mainland. We could see winds up to 80 kilometers an hour. We'll be tracking this closely. Uh, the intensity has, still has some uncertainty, so stay tuned. Also, this storm could bring 100 centimeters of snow to the South Coast Mountains. I'll show you which when I come back. All right. Thanks, Christy. But first, as B.C. cities struggle to deal with the opioid crisis, the Surrey Fire Department says it's developed a way to save lives by spotting clusters of drug overdoses. As John Hua reports, Surrey Fire Services says its new software is attracting attention across the continent. With every call, first responders fear it will cluster. They're anxious, they're frustrated, and, and they're stressed. A bad batch of drugs leading to a barrage of overdoses all around them. And it puts them on edge for the next cluster or the next call as to what am I going to be dealing with. After facing 17 overdoses in just 72 hours, Surrey Fire decided to use technology to take matters into their own hands, creating a new tool to help deal with the opioid crisis. The game changer is about the, the way of thinking and is, is trying to get in front of it. Now how this game changer works is by mapping emergency calls for overdoses in real time. Say you have one in this part of the city. A second one comes in just down the street. A third one nearby. And if a fourth one happens, all within one square kilometer in a four-hour period, that's considered a cluster. And first responders are notified right away. That's going to help us in the moment to be able to determine where we need to send resources and where we need to focus some of our uh, attention. It can be the street entrenched in Abbotsford or suburbanites living in Delta. Overdose clusters do not discriminate. 
they'll pilot test it in Surrey, then we can see if it works in other regions or if it can be adapted to other services. Surrey Fire also partnering up with Statistics Canada, hoping the data will eventually point to more than just where, but also who and why. We're hoping to be able to preempt that overdose entirely. With Surrey Fire getting 10 alerts since July 2016, first responders more prepared to stop a cluster of overdoses from tearing the lives of so many apart. John Hua, Global News. Canada's iconic chain of coffee and donut shops, the target of protests across the country today, including in Surrey and Vancouver, demonstrators condemning some Ontario franchises that cut employee benefits after that province raised its minimum wage. Protesters also calling for BC's minimum wage to be increased faster. We're uh, concerned about uh, uh, the Labour Minister's equivocations on the uh, uh, on the subject. Uh, he, uh, neither he nor Horgan has come out and said 15 is going to happen this year, which is what uh, we're demanding. And uh, until that happens, we're going to keep pressure up. The city of Burnaby isn't giving up its fight against the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. While the pipeline has been approved, the city is now focusing its battle on the route it will take. Ted Trudecki reports. Inder Morgan's proposed pipeline route through Burnaby were to be approved by the National Energy The city of Burnaby is sparing no expense in its assault on plans by Kinder Morgan to twin the existing Trans Mountain pipeline. This 22-minute video has been released ahead of Monday's opening hearings in Burnaby on exactly where the additional pipeline should go. Throughout, they, they claimed this to be a twinning, when in actuality in the city of Burnaby, none of the facilities are twinned. It's a, a brand new route going through our city. A repeated theme in this video is the idea that Kinder Morgan had consulted with the public extensively. That is something the participants in this video strongly disagree with. The residents of Burnaby and the city of Burnaby are faced with broken promises and corporations, regulatory agencies and governments that say one thing and do another. Burnaby argues there are places it has purchased from the private sector for the specific purpose of creating more green space. And now, if approved, there'll be a pipeline carrying a product that's next to impossible to contain. In an event of a spill for a product such as Delbit, the impact in such a sensitive area will be devastating. There will not be enough time at all for containment. So you can expect more protesting in the days ahead as the National Energy Board comes to town on Monday. The pipeline expansion, of course, has already been approved, but the NEB still has to hear any concerns about what impact the project will have on private and public properties. One should be looking at a much broader spectrum of choices than simply what the corporation tells you is the best route for them. Also expect these hearings to drag out as various groups have vowed to delay or even stop the project in any way possible. We reached out to Kinder Morgan for comment but did not get a response. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Not guilty. That's the verdict today from a jury deciding the fate of the three men charged with criminal negligence causing death in the 2013 Lac-Megantic rail disaster. 47 people died when a train hauling crude oil derailed and exploded in the Quebec town. It took jurors nine days to reach their not guilty verdict. I hope I'm going to be able to smile once again. That's probably my own answer. It's still hard for me. These three men are not the real person who had to be sit 
on the bench of the accusers. Many people in Lac-Megantic supported the three men, saying they believe higher-ups in the company were responsible for cost-cutting and the lax safety culture. The verdict is in for a former top executive of the B.C. Liberal Party who was charged in connection with a political scandal in Ontario. Laura Miller was found not guilty of destroying documents related to the cancellation of two costly gas plant projects. She was a top aide to former Ontario Premier Dalton McGuinty, along with David Livingston, his ex-chief of staff. Livingston was found guilty of mischief and the illegal use of a computer. Well, it can be a real zoo on an airplane, and we're not talking about the behavior of the passengers. Comfort animals, as they're known, are increasingly a problem. Now, many people legitimately need them to cope with the stress of air travel, but Delta is doing something to crack down on those who commit fraud to bring their furry friends on board. Tonight, Delta is cracking down, issuing new rules for passengers with emotional support animals. People bringing pigs on flights, even ducks and kangaroos. The airline reporting an 84% spike in animal incidents, including urination, defecation and biting. Often it's about the money, because one way to travel with a pet on some airlines can be up to $600. But if that animal is designated as an emotional support animal, it gets to come with you for free. So experts say in recent years, more and more people are cheating the system, getting certified online for an emotional support pet without any proof. I tried it in the past. What type of animal do you have? Dog. Getting my ESA certification in just minutes. And boom, there it is. Based on your responses, you are a good candidate for an emotional support animal. Great. Then they email me this official letter from a real mental health professional. Come on. And before you know it, I'm flying with Rory. My producer, Lindsay, did it too. With a pig. Pig on a plane. But now, Delta's new rules, making it harder to pass your pet off as an ESA. You must provide the pet's ESA certification, proof of health, and a signed document saying your pet has been trained. You need to send the documents to Delta 48 hours ahead of your flight. How will this help? Hopefully by reducing fraud, but without putting a greater burden on people who really need emotional support animals. Weeds out the bad ones, keeps the good ones able to do it. That's what we're hoping. And late today, word that American Airlines may follow Delta's lead. Jeff Rawson, NBC News, New York. A follow-up now to our heartbreaking story from last night of a breast cancer patient begging the cancer agency to fund a potentially life-saving drug. As Jennifer Palmer reports, another patient has now come forward who has partial coverage for the drug, but is wondering how her family will pay for the rest of it. Even with a supportive letter from our oncologist, um, that explained that this is the drug that I needed to be on for my best odds of um, survival, um, we were denied. Carol Powell is fighting stage 4 metastatic breast cancer, a disease threatening to take her life and savings. So far, she and her husband have spent $17,000 in two months on Ibrands. There was no question in my mind we were going to be funding this drug and fighting to get it covered um, just like all the other drugs. Ibrands has given Carol her life back, and as a retired Abbotsford police officer and loyal client of Pacific Blue Cross, she thought she'd be covered. Doesn't make any sense to me when you've got one insurance firm that is covering it, and your second or your primary one isn't. 
Her husband has a part-time job with partial coverage approved from Green Shield. Ibrance, which is made by Pfizer, has been approved by Health Canada. Pacific Blue Cross says when they receive a drug claim not covered by the BC Cancer Agency, they look to publish reviews to make a decision. This is a piece of hope, so how do you not pay for it? Karen McLaren has also been turned down for coverage by her provider, Manulife. They responded to us saying they're meeting with the drug manufacturer and where appropriate, they try to negotiate better terms. No final decision has been made on this drug. They fund all of these other drugs, um, but this now that shows so much promise isn't being funded. Ibrance isn't covered in any province yet. The BC Cancer Agency says it could have a funding answer in two to three months. Time, not everyone has. I start calculating in my mind how much it costs, how much savings we have, and how long I could do, maintain this for. And that's like that's like a countdown that I don't want to. Jennifer Palma, Global News. In other health news tonight, scientists are getting closer to perfecting a blood test that can detect as many as eight different types of cancer. Johns Hopkins researchers say they test or their test has the potential to pick up tumors from cancers of the ovary, liver, stomach, pancreas, esophagus, colon, lung, and breast long before patients show symptoms. It's not quite ready for public use. Larger studies are planned first. And Health Canada is warning about a shortage of life-saving EpiPens, often carried by people with severe allergies. The Canadian distributor of the EpiPen, Pfizer, says the shortage affects the 0.3 milligram format. The 0.15 EpiPen Jr. for young children is still available. The company says the shortfall will last until March 2nd. EpiPens expire on the last day of the month on the packaging, but Health Canada is advising anyone who has an anaphylactic reaction to use their expired EpiPen anyway and then immediately call 911. Right now, though, a big storm heading our way, and you might want to be ready for a power outage depending on where you live. Let's check in with Christy Gordon for the details right now. Yeah, so a couple of storms, actually. So one after another. One we're seeing right now, and we'll see another one on Saturday and then another wave on Sunday. Wind and rain are the concern, but we talked about earlier snowfall. Now, I know there are a number of uh, people out there uh, saying that we're going to see... um, the most amount of snow in all of the world. Now, that's a pretty bold statement to be staying, considering we still have some uncertainty with these systems. But nonetheless, you, I can assure you, we are going to see a ton of snow this weekend. So 100 centimeters possible along the North Shore Mountains, extending up into Whistler and over towards the Fraser Canyon, possibly even more, up to 125 centimeters. Vancouver Island Mountains could see a good 75 as well. The good news with this is it is just going to be rain lower down everyone the snow is going to stay in the mountains but of course if you're traveling the mountain passes the Coquihalla and up towards Whistler that does mean snow this is not a weekend for traveling those mountain passes unless you are absolutely prepared and we talked about the winds I wanted to show you some of the areas that could see the peak winds really extending from Vancouver through to Wasson over towards Abbotsford as well so this is early Sunday morning with winds up to 70 80 kilometers an hour and these are Sustained winds, so potential for gusts to be even stronger. Yes, you absolutely need to have your flashlight ready early Sunday, well, overnight Saturday, really. So there's your forecast. 
uh, periods of rain across the coast, snow further inland, a few flurries in through the central interior, down through the south, flurries or showers, mainly in through the Columbia and the Kootenai region, and then the south coast. We're talking about rain and wind lower down for the next couple of days, but in particular Saturday night into our Sunday morning. It's going to remain unsettled next week, but temperatures are going to drop. That means more snow for the mountains. Ida Kowalski celebrating her birthday today. Same for Carla Van Drame. So congratulations to you both. And a nice photo, of course. Oh, sorry. Happy anniversary to Gurmel and Surjit Dosange. Here's our weather window for tonight. A fantastic shot from Stuart Timewell. A very convenient name with that shot, obviously. Mm-hmm. No doubt. We've got some great shots from the West Coast over the last yeah. couple of days. And that one was timed well. Yes, it was. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Caught on video in China, strangers team up to rescue a little girl in serious trouble. You can see her there in the middle of the screen. The two-year-old girl ended up trapped on a window canopy on the third floor. With the old cracked canopy in danger of giving way and the door to the apartment locked, one man made his way to the balcony from the suite next door. He tried to grab the girl but couldn't quite reach, so another man held onto him so he could lean out even further. And the two of them were able to pull the girl to safety. Thanks. Lucky little girl. Mm -hmm. And some heartwarming video released by Mansfield Police in the UK of a police officer using his musical talent to console a crime victim. The officer and his partner had responded to a call from a 93-year-old Second World War veteran whose home had been burglarized. One of the officers noticed the sheet music for Chopin's Nocturne in E-flat major on the piano, told the veteran it was his grandmother's favorite music, and played it for him to brighten his otherwise difficult day. You can see him playing air piano there, too. It was pretty cool. Vancouver International Boat Show and Global News Hour at 6 want you to win the Family Fishing Boat Contest. Watch Global News Hour at 6 each day for a code word to enter for your chance to win. Today's code word is JIB. Very delays here, and we love the cut of his jib. Ah, don't we, old boy? Right, that right old chap, of course. Are you going to do the whole sportscast like that? Uh, one of these be days I will, but uh, I, I probably need more of a navy blue with a crisp white. Yeah. I have to do. All right, thanks. We talk some hockey. Uh, the Canucks bye week officially came to an end today in Edmonton. They practiced just a few hours ago after a five-day break. Bo Horvat practiced with the team. He'd been out six and a half weeks with a broken bone in his ankle, and head coach Travis Green says... He's not expecting Bo to play tomorrow in Edmonton, but it is a possibility he'll play Sunday in Winnipeg. Bo just waiting for medical clearance as well, but he's very close. Vancouver Giants are on some kind of roll. 15 wins, two losses, two overtime losses in their last 19. That has them just three points out of first in the BC division and with visions of making a big run after finishing well out of the playoffs for the last five years. To head to Holt, two on one with Mom. Holt, right circle, in front for Mom. Scores! They're the hottest team in the West right now, and the Giants show no signs of slowing down. Actually, they look to be getting stronger. Tyroni is second in the league with 40 goals. Captain Tyler Benson is healthy and playing the kind of dominant two-way hockey they've been waiting for since they drafted him. But up and down the lineup, this team is just getting better. 
I'd like the fact that in junior hockey, one of the goals is for improvements by the individuals, and we've just gone through our, our list with all our players, and they're seen improvements from every single player, uh, not just the ones that get all the attention and the exposure, but from the players that were 16 and 17 also. It seems the team is starting to take to second-year coach Jason McKee, who had big success in the Alberta Junior League. He's got them playing fast, exciting hockey, and believing that they can play with anyone in the league. Our, our group is confident right now. They believe in each other, and I, I think there's a strong belief system in that room. So when you have a belief system, you know, you can accomplish a lot. We have a chance to do something great here. Uh, we have a chance to win our division, so that's something that uh, I haven't been able to try to do yet. So just to know that we're going down the stretch here with a good record is nice. On one, onside, topping, outside, centers, oh! They've also got outstanding goaltending from 18-year-old David Tendek, who is certainly making a case to be a mid-round pick in this summer's NHL entry draft. They've got the talent and other intangibles that make for a winning team. We're really close as a team. Uh, we're, we're all friends, and it's uh, it's an awesome feeling when you go out and battle together and win together. It's awesome, and you know uh, we're going to take it as far as we can. Well, their announcers are certainly excited. The uh, MLS Super Draft was held today. The Whitecaps decided to restock the shelves at the back, taking University of Washington defender Justin Fittis in the first round. He's known for his great foot speed, and they took another defender in the second round, Lucas Stauffer. These kids are excited. They do look like high school students, not college students. He played soccer at Creighton, more of an offensive upside, nine goals, 12 assists in 86 matches. Whitecaps training camp begins Monday at their training center at UBC. As you know, anyone who's played golf, that ball always ricochets into the hazard instead of onto the green. So Adam was happy about that. Made a par, and then at the 18th hole, after that bit of good luck, uh, he will make a birdie to finish at 5-under-67, 11-under for the tournament. So he's in the mix again. He finished second last year. He's tied for 10th. Nick Taylor's at 5-under. The leader, Andrew Landry's at minus 16. The Australian Open, no Canadians left in the singles. Aussie Nick Kyrgios might be an interesting guy to cheer for. Always entertaining, if anything, here, taking on Frenchman Joe Wilfred Sanga, who took out uh, Denis Shapovalov in five sets earlier this week. And Kyrgios is uh, moving on. Won the third set tiebreak, won the fourth set tiebreak as well. And so he's on to the fourth round. Rafa Nadal is also either for winning Super Bowls or various illegal maneuvers like deflate gate and now the sporting world is spellbound over the condition of Brady's right throwing hand he apparently injured it in a collision at practice Wednesday but the condition of that hand is unknown and the Patriots ain't talking less than 48 hours before their AFC title game against Jacksonville and not talking about it thumbs up or thumbs down for Sunday We'll see. Did they throw any footballs today? Uh, I'm not talking about that. And did you practice today? I was out there. Did the whole practice? Yeah. How was practice? It was fun. He could have said, I just plead the fifth or for self-incrimination, whatever they say sometimes when they're being uh, you know, quizzed by the police. But he was wearing two red gloves so no one could mm-hmm. see his hands. So... Incredible. No one else is talking about any other game or any team, just Tom Brady's Just Tom Brady's And he's not talking about it. No, and he's not. That's right. Everyone else but them. Thanks, Barry.
Report for the South Coast. Snow has been falling. More snow likely the next few days. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 235 centimeters. Grouse, 230. Cypress, 246. And Sasquatch, 230. In the interior, Revelstoke, a base of 183 centimeters. Manning Park, 158. Powder King, 180. 45 new centimeters at Mount Washington. Big White, a base of 190. Silver Star, 182. Sun Peaks, 144. And Apex, 171 centimeters. Coming up on ET Canada, a Canadian exclusive. Famed prosecutor Marsha Clark opens up to us about O.J. Simpson's Freedom Now. Plus, a SAG Awards preview, what you need to know before Sunday's big show, and why fans are stunned after Kim Ye revealed the name of their third baby. That is coming up at 7, right after the news hour. But first, back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thanks very much, Roz. Well, with the Olympics only a few weeks away, you may be looking for someone to cheer for. And Coquitlam figure skater Larkin Ostman is one worth watching, even if she's a long shot to win. Larkin is getting the opportunity of a lifetime just to go, and she couldn't have done it without the help of a total stranger overtaken by the Olympic spirit. Aaron MacArthur reports. Every day for the better part of 16 years, this has been Larkin Ostman's home. She's been a figure skater since before she could remember. And next month, she's going to Korea. The young woman from the Coquitlam Figure Skating Club has qualified for the Olympics. I always thought about it and like, yeah, I I would like to go to the Olympics, but never really thought that it would happen. The dream is one part hard work, one part determination, and maybe equal parts financial support. Being a high-level athlete costs tens of thousands of dollars a year, and there was very little money from traditional sources. So she turned to crowdfunding. The effort wasn't going very well. She was thousands of dollars short last fall when out of the blue, an angel investor offered her the chance to be her best. My first inclination was to throw $100 at her and wish her good luck. Uh, and then I you know, started thinking there's only one way to do something, do it right. Who in their free time looks to give away money to an amateur athlete like their, and their support? It's just, why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Horatio Kemeny kicked in nearly $30,000. The money allowed Larkin to train in Colorado, to travel to competitions, purchase new equipment, pay for ice time. The list is endless. For the Ostman family, the support has meant the world. It takes a tremendous amount of stress out, to be honest, and, and uh, it, it's a story that it's, it's, it's like you can't write this stuff. It's, 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 it's crazy. Larkin has one more training block in Colorado before she leaves for the Olympics. The dream has come true even if it hasn't quite sunk in yet. I don't think I will until I'm on a plane and they say you're going to Korea. (laughs) Aaron MacArthur, Global News, Vancouver. She's going to have a lot of people cheering for her, I think. Interestingly, Horatio, the guy who gave all the money to support her, can't go to Seoul. That's too bad. Schedule's too jammed to make it, but, but what, uh, what a, a great gift. thing. Mm-hmm. All right, final word on the weather. Storms are coming. That's right. So for the lower mainland, the main concern is the winds uh, through Saturday night into Sunday morning. But if you're traveling, the concern really will be the mountain highways. Anywhere east of Hope this weekend, you can expect snow and up towards Whistler as well.